myself. My name is Hello guys, welcome back to Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Steven Saria. Today I'm joined by good friend of the show, JP. JP, what's up? Hey kids. Man of many words. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little nervous. <laughs> I have some good I have some good news. Uh-huh. Uh John's not gonna be on this episode today. He had to <gasps> back out last minute. <laughs> he had to back out last minute so we don't have to deal with that <laughs> yeah you're stuck with me <laughs> um he'll be back next episode though hopefully, hopefully everything's yes. good with him just had some some stuff he had to take care of really last minute um but I- i'm glad you're here with us man it's always it's always a pleasure Thank to have you, you on the show Thank you, man. Uh, you know, we you, got to talk a little you bit. You have a voice. You, ha- you have a soothing voice. You have a voice <laughs> that can put a baby to sleep. Oh, I'm just exhausted. I might put myself to sleep. I, <laughs> nah, man. I'm excited to be here. I haven't been here in a in a in a long time. I haven't spoken to you in a long time, so it was good to catch up with you before recording. Yeah, absolutely, 100. Yeah, percent Um, as a matter of fact, I haven't even been here in quite some time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been a fucking crazy couple of months i mean to say um, the least yeah to say the least i mean I think, yeah it's been a crazy couple of months um but now towards the tail end things are looking like it's uh at least like personally i'm not talking about like you know you know the whole covid situation and all that right. stuff but at least personally it looks like things are starting to uh, sort of fall f- fall in line a little bit better so hopefully we're gonna have more episodes out consistently. Now, yes. there's not much coming out, <laughs> so that's always a uh, like a problem. But we'll find a, a workaround <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah, we'll review some classic films if if need be. Whatever we got to do, man. Whatever yeah. we got to do. So today on this episode, we're gonna be talking about uh, a couple different things. We haven't talked about Tenet yet. Yeah. Which we've been meaning to talk about. We just haven't been able to, to to come together and and finally put all our thoughts out there. So we want to talk about Tenet, yes. um, The Devil All the Time, Anola Holmes, <clears throat> and then a couple of things that, that that we've been watching that aren't specific, you know, to those three things. So I th- I say let's start with uh, with some stuff we've been watching because I've seen some stuff that I really want to talk about. Yes, uh, me too. Especially with you. Okay. So now, do you want to go first? So I go first. Uh, um, how do you want to do this? I'll go first. I already forgot the films I watched. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, I'm so exhausted. Uh, let me open up my notes real quick. Okay, the first, <laughs> the first, it's literally just my notes is so sad. It's just literally three movies. <laughs> okay, it's just uh, it's just white emptiness, yes. and then three movies, and then a title that says movies I've watched. Okay, so. Uh, the first, but these are the o- these are the only three movies you've ever watched. 
It's just ever movies I've my, watched in my whole my life. It's life. just these three movies. I've never turned on a TV in my entire life. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one is uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, sorry, I don't know who directed it, but I know it was written by Charlie Kaufman, I believe. I believe Charlie Kaufman <clears throat> also directed it. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, this movie's a trip. Um, seeing the trailer, I thought it was uh, very similar to Hereditary, and I think it's just because. Uh, t- uh, wow, I just forgot her name. Tony Collette, right? Is in the film. Yeah, Tony Collette. Um, and so it it kind of had like a horror movie vibe. At least the trailer gave that impression. So, I mean, I was already excited to see it. So when I started watching, wait, is this a movie that has a? Is this a movie that has Meth Damon? <laughs> yeah, I forgot he was called that. <laughs> Meth Damon, yeah, uh, Jess, um, why I'm, Jesse Jesse Plemons? Why am I great, forgetting great actor? Name? Uh, yeah, he's fantastic, man. He's he's great. Uh, and in this film, he's actually really good. Um, the thing that I really love about this film is that uh, it's it's. It it bends a lot of it, it blends a lot of different genres together. There's elements of horror. There's thriller. There's you know scenes where it's just two people in a car, like really long scenes of two people in a car talking. Um, Jesse Plemons' character and uh, the female lead. I don't know uh, her name. I'm sorry. Um, but you start to suspect that something's not right um, between these two. A lot. There's like a lot of internal monologue in the female character, and without giving too much away, um, because I, I I believe that this is a film you can't spoil because of how trippy it is. But at the same time, I don't want to give away too many details. Um, there are very interesting choices made in this film where uh, the internal monologue will be, uh, you know it'll shift from her perspective to Jesse Plemons' perspective to her speaking too directly to him, to us. And then at one point, which is probably the best scene in the movie, it's very subtle, but at one point she turns to the camera and she starts saying something. Um, And it's one of those fourth wall breaks where I'm just like, wow, I actually like that. I'm not a big fan of fourth wall breaks, but... I was like, wow, that really was intense and kind of weird and beautiful. Um, Can I interrupt you yeah, for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Did you like the fourth wall breaks in Enola Holmes? I'll get to it. We'll get to it when we get to <laughs> I it. To, I had to, to get that out. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, but no, I mean, this movie's weird. I thought, um, I thought it had a chilling ending. I thought everything in between was very confusing, and I think it deserves a rewatch because I don't think I can properly uh, review it. I can just say, you know, this scene was good, this scene was good. Um, but you know, you can just watch the movie for that. But I think it's a it's a film that's well worth your time if you're somebody who wants to um, uh, use your brain when you watch a film and not sort of get lost in it. Um, not that you can't get lost in this; you can definitely get lost in it, but in the sense that you want something a little bit more challenging, uh, I would say watch this film. Um, there are certain choices that I don't really agree with. I think the tonal shifts are a little little jarring at times, but I think that's part of the charm of this film. Um, so I don't know. I, I definitely think it's a really good vibe. It's got a really weird mood to it, but uh, 
ultimately, I don't think I could properly review this without giving it another rewatch. And then maybe another rewatch after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I haven't seen this film yet. Right. It's on my watch list. Uh, I just haven't really gotten around to it. But there's one thing, not about the movie, but so- something that someone said about the movie. So, mm-hmm. I went on Twitter... On the backlot Twitter, I follow a bunch of a bunch of like film people on there, <laughs> and I saw a tweet right. that was something like something like, "So I just watched Tenet and I followed the plot along perfectly, and I felt like pretty smart about it." And then I watched this movie, and then it reminded me how much of a fucking idiot I am. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I looked into like I looked into the movie like a little bit more, and then pretty much the general consensus was. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what happened. I just know it was really good. Yes, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it is a a great movie, a good movie. Like I said, I, I, I would have to. This is a film that really requires your attention. Again, the same thing with Tenet, but I, I, I do think Tenet is a little bit more palatable because there's a lot of, uh, actually not a lot, but there's. It, there's like the blockbuster element to it and it's i think easier to follow than something that deals with more of the uh, psychological aspect of human beings and stuff so yeah either way it's fucking trippy okay that, uh, all right so that's i'm thinking of anything directed by charlie kaufman you can watch that on netflix i believe right yes netflix yeah okay so that's that. I'm gonna go ahead and say one one of the things that I've been watching. This is the one I told you that I was sort of cheating on. We said mm. we were gonna talk about three movies that we've been watching. Yes. Um I'm gonna lump all of them in together. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been doing my annual Mission Impossible rewatch. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> I gotta do that. I just, dude, it's just one of those things where it's like it's it's like a franchise that I just can't get enough of. Yes. Like I I, I will go so far as to say that this is the most consistently good franchise ever I, in movies. And now... Yeah, I'd find it hard to disagree with that, I think. Because, like... And when I say franchise, I mean, like, past, like, trilogies. Because I feel like you can make a distinction between a trilogy and a franchise. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, Star Wars yeah. is a franchise, Lord of the Rings is a trilogy. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? But like I don't think there's a as there's a franchise that's consistently good across six movies. I Mission Impossible 2 you could sort of kind of, you know, that's kind of like the black sheep of the family, the John Woo one where it's just mm-hmm. it doesn't really hold up well. The visual effects are kind of outdated. The action is kind of all over the place and especially coming from Mission Impossible 1, which is a lot more I don't want to say reserved in its action because the set pieces are so, you know, absurd, not absurd, but, you know, grand. And it's daring. more traditional to the to the spy espionage sort of genre. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and throughout Mission Impossible 1, I, I read on, on the IMDb trivia that only five bullets are shot in that whole entire movie. And none of them. <laughs> That's crazy. Are by are by Tom Cruise's character, Ethan Hunt. And then you go ahead and you watch wow. Mission Impossible 3, the one with um, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. All the face masks. Yeah, all the face masks. All the face masks. And then right off the bat, 
it's fucking bullets flying everywhere and and, wow. and like that sort of jump is jarring but in a good way because at the end of the day the movies still really embody that sort of like whimsical fun of what a good action set piece is right and like and it puts that you know above everything because like at the end of the day no one watches mission impossible movies you know for the characters ethan hunt is one of the worst or not worst but one of the most boring protagonists in movie franchise history i would say that's not the reason i watch these movies i watch these movies to watch tom cruise hang off a fucking airplane (laughs) and those movies consistently deliver and each one just gets crazier and crazier not even the stakes because like i would say the stakes in all the movies are pretty high i mean in in the third one you know you have the rabbit's foot which is said to you know destroy the whole world but each you know big moment in each movie just gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it's like okay now (laughs) what can they do in mission impossible 7 that's gonna be even bigger than this especially with tom cruise you know nearing 60 and still insisting on doing all wow. his own stunts. Damn, he's almost sixty. That's the, crazy to me. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's a science. That's a Scientology juice. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they're giving him back there, but <laughs> they have a fucking me. Lazarus pit in. They have their fucking Lazarus pit in their fucking facility or something. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> Scientology juice. Yeah, and that's. Um, it's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's a franchise that really respects his fans, knows its audience. Because, I mean, you look at something like James Bond, as pretty as those movies are to look at, they bore the ever loving shit out of me. There is every. Really? I'm a, I'm a big James Bond fan, so I can't get behind that statement. It's just, um, every one that I've seen, I mean, just comparing it to Mission Impossible, uh, or even, I'll say this, even like Fast and the Furious, which I'm not a big fan of. I think they're ridiculous. But the thing that it has going for it is that it progresses. I mean, you look at the first one and then you look at the last one. It's like, how the fuck did you end up here? Like your cars are flying everywhere and you're, it's just weird. And But at least they have that progression. And with James Bond, I just, every movie just feels the same and the stakes are so... Well, the stakes are high, but like the, it's so predictable, you know, and that's why I respect like Mission Impossible. Like you literally, like you said, like Tom Cruise is hanging off like a a fucking plane. Who the hell would think of doing that? And I think he's going to do a movie in space too coming up. I don't know. Yeah. With, with, uh, Elon. (sighs) Jesus. But like, it's just, there's also that added, added element to it where it's like there's real danger. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. With with the Bond franchise, I'm just like, eh, you know. That's the thing. Mission Impossible is sick. James Bond is, eh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love James Bond, so I can't get behind that statement 100%, but I certainly see what you're saying. I think it really just comes down to personal pre- preference. Because yeah, really, fair, two, fair enough. The, the, really, the only similarity is that they're spy movies, really. Yeah, and I just I'm just comparing like franchises, you know. Um, so I just kind of that that was just like the first one that popped in my head. Um, I get you. Like the lows of James Bond are definitely much lower than the lows of 
Mission Impossible, but then again, there are 24 James Bond movies to Mission Impossible 6. Yeah. Not counting, you know, the original the original television series and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I would say the highs for both, at least personally, I would say are pretty even. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm being a little too harsh on Bond, but I think they do have really good action set pieces and stuff like that. So um, they always deliver it as far as like the visual uh, visual effects and the uh, the action scenes and stuff like that. So it is it is a pretty you know it's a top tier action franchise for sure. It's one of the most famous. But uh, I guess my personal preference is that it's a little too predictable and a little dull for me. All right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so that's what I've been watching, Mission Impossible. I'm actually watching the fourth one today. Which, if that's the one where they're climbing the Burj Khalifa, that one is my favorite one. Oh yeah, that's the one I believe directed by Brad Bird. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, and I was also actually didn't know that uh, we watched we watched three yesterday, and it holds up pretty well. Philip Seymour Hoffman is fantastic villain in that yeah and he's he's one would, of my favorite actors he, his range is unbelievable incredible incredible actor it's just crazy that he can play that and then play like a loser in like uh uh along came polly or like in uh one of the most disturbing films ever uh, happiness he's just a perverted sick freak and and then to go to do that and then and then um play what he does in in the master I don't know if you've seen yes, the yes, the mask. Yes, yes, yes. That I mean, he's incredible in that too. He's just he can do anything. And then Capote too. It's just God, what a what a what a loss, man. What a loss. I know. Yeah, definitely. So that's what I've been watching. Mission Impossible. I'm gonna hand the baton back to you. Um, let me go back to my notes. <laughs> I forgot already. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. The invitation. Um. This film is, uh, I don't have the details in front of me, but um, it's a, I guess, a, a thriller slash horror film. Um, it's all takes place in one setting. For the most part, I'd say like 95% of the film takes place in, in a house, which is always good. I love films that are extremely limited in their... Uh, budget even you know there's some great uh, old horror movies that have shit budget but they do what they can and they uh surpass their limitations uh with what they have um and this film actually i think delivers with what you know what they lack in like you know um i imagine a budget they make up for in incredible uh characters and character development and uh the fleshing out of those characters um it goes really deep and it's basically a film for most of it where um okay so a quick plot synopsis a lot of people are invited into an old friend's house a lot of old friends get get together for this uh party um they haven't seen each other in a long time and uh right off the bat nobody's doing that the the dialogue isn't like hey you're my cousin frank this and that like it's it's very like you you know who these people are just by the way that they're they're talking to each other, which right off the bat I love because you don't need to treat me like a five year old. Just give me the the story, you know. So a lot of talking in the film, which I love. The tension builds up because you're like 
what is going on here? This is a horror movie. I know that because I watched the trailer. Something's going to happen. As the plot progresses, you start to get the sense that something isn't right. They're coming here for a reason. And something bad is definitely going to happen, especially when somebody that uh, nobody knows except for the, the, the host of the party comes in. And it's the same actor who played uh, in... Have you seen Zodiac? Yes, I have. So the guy with the watch, the big, uh, the bigger guy, kind of bald. Um, I forget that that actor's amazing, but he he comes in. He he plays a great creep. And oh oh um, the one who they think is the is the Zodiac. Yeah, he keeps like he keeps like checking his watch or something. Um, yes, John Carroll Lynch. John yes, Carroll Lynch. he is unbelievable. Another great actor with great range. Um. He's great in the film. I think he's, he always plays a great, uh, creepy guy. Um, his role or his participation in this film is one of the main, just his introduction alone brings so much tension to the film. And as the plot progresses again, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And literally, probably one of the most disturbing and real endings. Uh, or climaxes to a film that I've seen in a long time. I thought it was expertly done. The only thing that I will say, without giving too much away, is that the bookends to this film, I think the way that it starts, uh, there's a scene where the, and this isn't giving anything away, but the, the there's a scene where the main character is uh, driving to the party with his wife, and they run over a, a deer, or they hit a deer. Um, and I kind of felt like that was setting up something, but it just it didn't really make a lot of sense. I don't think it was necessary. Um, and then the ending kind of was a tad bit of a letdown. Um, but overall, I think everything in between those two short scenes was expertly built. Uh, expertly done. I thought the dialogue was fantastic. The characters are great. You really felt like you knew these people and uh, your heart gets broken. And that's all I'll say. And yeah, you got to check it out if you haven't. If you like that kind of shit, if you like the disturbing shit, if you like uncomfortable conversations, cringy stuff, um, uh, then I would suggest you check this out. All right, can I say something real quick? Yes. Okay, so I've actually seen this movie before mm. yeah we were uh this was like around the time the movie came out i think this movie came out in 2015 we probably watched it maybe like a year after that yes uh back when it was on netflix okay we were having like a like a horror movie night as during that time we were getting together like a group of friends and i and watching a shit ton of scary movies so we had gone through you know the conjurings we had gone through the insidiouses we'd gone through the exorcists and we had sort of kind of reached the bottom of the list of things we wanted to watch. And then a friend sees this movie, I guess, on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. And it has a really high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like out of 95 or something like that. Mm. And he suggests we put this movie on. He's like, guys, it looks really good. It's getting great reviews, blah, blah, blah. Let's watch it. So whatever, we put it on. 
the end of the movie comes around and let's just say we don't let him pick movies anymore. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I hated this movie. I found it incredibly drawn out. Mm. I think while the core concept of it is good, I think they play it up way too much. I think In what sense? Okay, so I'm a big fan of sort of foreshadowing events and sort of drawing tension from that foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Like characters sort of realizing that something is wrong. Um, and like sort of, you know, like hinting at, at, at things that could happen. Because obviously we, the audience, knows that some shit is going to go down. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we know this isn't going to end well for, you know, this group of protagonists that, that we've sort of been, been following. They don't know that. And right. I think the movie draws out that sort of time frame of them sort of, uh, of his, like, hey, look, you know, they're sort of realizing something and then it just goes back to, no, they're not. Like, they haven't really caught on yet. Or, or look, they're, they're latching onto something and then it sort of, like, pulls back. It's like they were kind of, like, edging. Yeah. And it just... It was just it was edging the tension, and it was kind of like, yeah. okay, just just let it all, just let it all happen. And then once you know the, mm-hmm. the climax kind of rolls around, it's like, honestly, I don't really care anymore. You know, I think, and because right. of that, I found like the end of the movie like really eye rolly. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, it was like almost like like pretentious in a sense. The last yeah, scene, sorry, the last scene when they're in the backyard and they, like, they have the view of the city. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really like that scene. That I didn't really care for it. Like, there I was just kind of like, oh, okay, so, you know, whatever. You know, I didn't really, I, I didn't really care at, at that point because it was just like, you know, like right. this whole movie, it's, it's, it's like, it, it's not on the, it's not edge of my seat in a good way. Because it's sort of like, it's just drawing out this this balloon of tension, this this rubber band, and it never yeah. feels like the rubber band snaps. You know, it feels like the like the rubber band sort of elongates, and then just sort of just goes back to normal, but not done mm. in a satisfying way, because there's yeah. no like there's no moments where the tension sort of pops for just a second. Like, uh, like Hereditary, for example, or even a movie like The Witch, where yeah, the tension is drawn, and it, it may be teased and foreshadowed, but there's you know a scene that's establishing you know this tension, and then at the end of that scene, something happens, and that tension pops, and then you have your moment of okay, you know this should happen, you know things seemingly go back to normal now, but we know it's not the end of the movie, so we know things are going to keep happening and happening, like. Uh, in Hereditary, for example, when the sister's head gets, you know, chopped off. And yeah. then the scene with uh, Nat Wolf, you know, in, in the school and when he's banging his head on, on the on the desk. Or like in The Witch, or with the scenes with uh, Black Phillip and... I've, well, have you seen The Witch? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, then I'm not going to go ahead and... Because I was about to spoil some shit. <laughs> but there's moments in these movies where the tension comes and and, and and it surfaces and I like using the rubber band uh 
example a lot because I feel like that's a really apt example for how tension works in in horror movies, where this sure. yeah. metaphorical rubber band snaps and the tension is relieved. This movie never has that. It just sort of goes back and forth, you know, between the tension about to pop and then it just sort of goes away. And it's like, at the end of the movie, it's okay. I don't care about anything that's going on now because you didn't give me a reason to care earlier. Sure. You get what I'm saying? And then it's I like... Think that's, I, I think that's fair. And then it's like, okay, all these people seem suspicious and like this dude is calling out that they seem suspicious. And then it's like, oh yeah, I guess they were right at the end. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Like I get I get that. I get that. Like there's no real surprise or anything. There's no real like like aha or gasp moment in this because everything is sort of like laid out on the table right at the start. So it's really hard to follow up on that. Right. So that that's my issue with the movie. I really didn't like it. Um I yeah, found it I mean I agree and uh sorry, go ahead. I, I I kind of find it like up its own ass almost. <laughs> if I'm being honest, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't interrupt you. That was great. Um, uh, yeah, I would agree with 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 some of that. Um, not entirely, but I do think that uh, there were some moments when you're, you know, the tension is building and then it sort of um, brings you back down to earth. And it's like, oh, okay, wait, this person is weird let me check this out and the tension builds and then oh okay never mind okay but i think that that um the i think i was just so drawn by the characters i'm always so fascinated i'm i can always just forget and especially in this movie i forget that there's something ominous happening um because they're they have such great chemistry and i don't know if you felt the same way but i really did like in this in like an hour and a half really f- fall in love with everybody in this film i thought everybody i felt like i knew these people i felt like this was a group of friends that i would know but just a little bit older and having gone through shit and you know some of them divorced or uh or the main uh person having i don't want to sp- yeah, whatever. This movie came out in 2015. Yeah, it's been five. It's been five years. It's on Netflix. If you yeah. haven't seen it, yeah, just go so, see it's it. kind of on you at this point. But basically, the main character, the person who's hosting the party, is the ex-wife of this of the main uh, character, and mm-hmm. they, uh, it's hinted at that they've lost a child, and <clears throat> and you sort of just through that you grow immensely close at least i did to this uh to this situation to this couple whatever so you know why this person's acting weird why they're introduced to this cult-like thing uh the scene when they're in the in the living room and they're uh the the video of of that person dying um like it was extremely tense and uncomfortable and I live for that kind of shit that cause horror doesn't scare me, but that kind of shit where you're like in a room full of people and it's just like, why are you showing me this? Like what is wrong with you? And then they go into a deeper conversation and they, they actually discuss and debate ideas and ideologies. And it's, it's extremely interesting because you don't get a lot of that in films. Um, 
And I found that extremely entertaining and extremely insightful. And then when you get to the end, when, when it's like the shooting happens, I'm just like, oh, fuck, they're trapped. And it's like, it's really scary because it's extremely real. I related it a lot to, you know, public shootings that happen in real life. And it felt so real. And I was just like, my God, no, don't, please don't kill these characters that I've, I've grown to love in this in a span of like an hour and a half you know like please don't and i really felt that um but regardless of that i from a movie perspective just watching it as a story watching a story unfold i completely agree with your opinion but i also feel like it was uh expertly done as far as you know the realism and all that uh, but i think we should move on from the invitation already we've been talking about it for too long <laughs> I mean, fair enough. All the things you said, uh, all the the facets of the film you praised, are are fair. I could definitely see why someone would come in with with that angle. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it personally. That's the beauty of opinions. Um, of course. Even though yours is the wrong one, but <laughs> don't start, dude. Don't <laughs> fucking start. <laughs> but I mean, I could definitely oh, see why the film was so critically acclaimed. It's just a personal, you know, like a personal preference sort of thing. I get you. Um, so wait, do you go or do I go? I'll go. Okay. I'll go. And for, and for the sake of time, I think let's hit this one and then we'll start talking about the three main movies. Sure. I was going to talk about Terms of Endearment, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about Terms of Endearment, we can. No, no, please, please go ahead. I am a guest. You are the host. So, this is kind of uh, cheating again. It's not a movie, <laughs> so it's not one singular thing. However, it can be viewed as a movie. It's actually a miniseries. Okay. From Cartoon Network, oh. of all places. Really? This should this should be good. <sighs> so, what I want to talk about uh, right here and now is, is a miniseries that was shown to me last year uh, by a family member of mine. <clears throat> who we had an idea for a podcast uh, back when this podcast was sort of being reinvented. I can't remember if it was last year. It it must have been early last year. And basically the idea behind that podcast was each of us was going to pick a television series that the other hadn't seen. And we're going to watch it episode by episode and we're going to sit down and discuss each episode from the two series. So I gave him True Detective Season 1, which he had not seen. And he gave me this series, in which I had never even heard of. You know, and I'm a fan of Cartoon Network. Um, Back from when I was a kid, you know, the Samurai Jack, Teen Titans, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog days. That Cartoon Network, once once, uh, Flabjack and Adventure Time sort of came on the air, that's when I veered away from Cartoon Network as I was growing up. So I had never heard of this. Um, and he told me about it. He was like, just watch it. And then talk to me. And that show is called Over the Garden Wall. Hmm. Um, which I know you follow the Backlot Instagram account. This was actually yes. one of our Spooktober, um, our Spooktober entries for the month. I think we posted okay. this one like four or five days ago. 
this is a short miniseries. I believe it's only 10 episodes, and I think the episodes are only 10 minutes each. So you can literally watch the entire show in one go. Like, beginning okay. to end. I like it so far. The show has some heavy hitters, um, you know, voice acting-wise. Elijah Wood plays one of the main characters. Christopher Lloyd is in it. Um, John Cleese is in it. Uh, Tim Curry is in it. Um, Tim Curry? Just, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Curry's in it. Wow. Those are just, those are like the big ones off the top of my head. There's no easy way to describe this show. If I could, if I had to put it one way, I would say it's the perfect mixture between a sort of grim fairy tale and classic 2D hand-drawn Disney animation. Ooh. The perfect... Have you seen um, Ichabod and... I believe it's Ichabod and Toad, is it? The old sounds, classic Disney movie? It sounds familiar. Maybe if I saw a picture of it, I'd, I'd know. I think, I, it's the I, Adventures of, think so. I think it's the Adventures of Ichabod and, and Mr. Toad. I can't say that I remember. Um, it's, it's an old ass Disney movie, like in the from the forties, I believe. Oh um, no! <laughs> it's very, it's very. Um, I would say it, it sort of reminded me of this. Uh, let me go ahead and give you a, the letterbox synopsis, uh, because okay. it doesn't really have, it doesn't really have many spoilers, and it sort of helps paint a picture of what the show is about. Two brothers, Wirt and Greg, find themselves lost in the unknown, a strange forest adrift in time. With the help of a wise old woodsman and a foul-tempered bluebird named Beatrice, Wirt and Greg must travel across the strange land in hope of finding their way home. Join them as they encounter surprises and obstacles on their journey through the wood. So, that's the letterboxed synopsis of it. I would say that's pretty apt. Um, the miniseries mixes the sort of whimsical, fairy tale, fantasy like, childlike elements because the two main characters are both children. Uh, they're both brothers. One of them is a younger brother, the other one is a much younger, more naive, and childlike soul. He is like the typical young naive joyful child character and the younger brother is you know your typical older brother who sort of is embarrassed of his younger brother he wants to be more mature and his young his younger brother uh uh greg is you know a typical kid you know happy go lucky carefree um hmm. super caring and that's sort of the dynamic between the two okay but the show is not it doesn't get too caught up in the whole kid, you know, the whole like kid friendly, whimsical stuff. The show is dark. It deals with um, a lot of hard hitting themes. I would say, do you have any siblings? Yes. Do you have? Uh, I have are an you older sister. The older? You have what? Um, I have an older sister. Okay, I don't know if you're like, like. Like, I have friends who get, like, really sentimental over their siblings, like, when they watch, like, movies that are about siblings. 
this miniseries can be a fucking gut punch. Mm. It gets deep. It gets dark in places that I didn't even think Cartoon Network would go. And I say that because... Really? Yes, and I say that because I knew it was a Cartoon Network show going into it. So I thought it was going to be a typical... Not immature show, but have that Cartoon Network sort of humor, like a flapjacky sort of humor. And it was not what I was expecting at all. Um, mm. I will go so far as to say that this is i don't use this term lightly but i will go ahead and say that this is a legitimate masterpiece wow i don't think there is a single wasted moment in the show i don't think there is a single bad episode and each episode feels very self-contained there's a clear overarching story between these 10 episodes the first four i would say kind of feel like their own self-contained stories but as you progress and you keep going, the story sort of opens up and you see how all of these things intertwine. Because as mm. these kids walk through the wood, they encounter, you know, all these, you know, different types of situations. Like there's one episode where they're on a ferry boat um, filled with singing toads and singing animals. And then mm. there's another episode where they find themselves in a pumpkin patch and then the pumpkin the pumpkins all, you know, start raising off the ground and they're actually attached to headless skeletons. And, you know, they're having a big, you know, uh, like Halloween party. And there's another episode where they go into like a haunted house and all that stuff. So each episode feels very self-contained, but they each have an overarching message and theme. I, it's hard to keep going because it's like I don't want to spoil anything because I really want you and whoever else is listening to this to go in with as little information as possible. Okay. But this really is a wonderful, wonderful show when it comes to, you know, sibling bonds and family bonds. Um, The... the naivety of of children and and the joy of of life and of children themselves while really going to some like i said some really deep and and dark places it, it's kind of if i had to describe this series think of it as okay think of it as a film version of the season of fall I know it feels of, weird. Of fall. Of fall. Like it, oh, it's, oh, it's kind of abstract. Um, it's kind of abstract, and and it's weird to say, but I feel like that's the best way to describe it. Think of like this season, right? Mm -hmm. You know how like like you're a musician, so you know how like you know songs. There's songs. There's summer songs, right? Yes. And then there's yes. things that you listen to like 808s and Heartbreaks, which for me personally reminds me of like a wintertime album. You sort of get where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. So this is the quintessential like fall viewing for me. I watched this since mm. then. I watched this every October around this time because this is it's really what it feels like the color palette, the the themes and messages behind it, the sort of like embrace you get from this from watching this miniseries. And once you watch it, which I really, really, really recommend you do, and I want to hear your thoughts on I it. I will. I will. You will 100% get what I'm saying with this. Yeah. It I, is 
it, it's it, a, such a great fucking show about coming to terms with oneself and maturity and 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 self-worth it's just wow. i can't put into words and I, it's hard for me to really talk about it because i don't want to ruin the experience for anyone else going into right. too much detail um so i'm just going I to mean, go ahead and leave it just it, it just it just seems like you know i think as soon as you said cartoon network i was like i was already on board because i think they have a history of making uh children's shows uh or young you know children you know uh teenager types uh wow i sounded soul saying that uh <laughs> <laughs> teenager types um but they make it mature enough where it it respects their intelligence and it doesn't it doesn't shy away from from you know the themes that you mentioned you know much very mature themes that i think is is uh, is uh relatable to anybody at any point in their life um so yeah i'll definitely check that out everything that you said really intrigued me about it's the show. like a it's like a spirited away mixed with disney mixed with like a wizard of oz sort of sort of thing yeah I did sort of that. vibe I going on it's 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 hard to say but it's on hulu it's pretty accessible to watch oh, perfect if you have hulu you can literally yes. knock it out in one sitting i'm doing it's that it's like a movie yeah i'm doing that i'm, I'm watching that tomorrow Trust me, you will you won't regret it. And I really want to hear your thoughts on it. Um I love putting people on this show because of of how much I love it. And trust me, I don't toss the term masterpiece around very often. I know, yeah. But I think this is Cartoon Network's Mona Lisa. I think this is their Cohiba. Mm. This is legitimately probably some of the best media or animated media ever created not even going so wow. far as to say cartoon network yeah i'm going out on a like i'm saying like this is some of the best animated media i have seen ever and i could make an argument that it is some of the greatest television ever produced wow i don't want to overhype it but i want people to watch this well, given our history of 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 disagreements on what we like, going so far back as the invitation, I'm kind <laughs> of scared that I won't like it. But everything you said about it really intrigued me, so I will definitely, definitely check it out. But you know what? I don't think I don't think you won't like it. No, I'm sure I won't. I mean, I, everything you said about it, especially the sibling part and the, the coming of age and coming to terms with who you are. All that, all those themes are definitely something that I'm, I'm, I gravitate towards. Those kinds of themes. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely checking. What's it called again? It's called Over the Garden Wall. Over the Garden Wall. Okay, let me write that down because I will forget. It's, it, it, it's beautiful in my opinion. It's, it's a really, really beautiful piece of, piece of art. Over so. The garden wall. <laughs> so it. that's my review on Over the Garden Wall. When you watch it, okay, here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna watch this. I'm gonna make okay. John watch it because John said he's, yes. he wanted to get around to it. 
and we're having an emergency podcast episode next week. Yes. Where we talk I'm about down. this in depth. I'm down. I'm 100%. holding you to this. Yes, 100%. We're doing it. Okay. I'm telling John. I'm filling in John with this important information. And we're coming together next week and me. we're talking about this. You can count on me, sir. And if you don't like it, you may never be invited back on the show. You know what, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. But I, I, I do think you, you'll like it. I think so, too. I think so, too. So that's over the garden wall. Let's get to the entree, shall we? Yes, we're at f- almost fifty minutes, so we we're at fifty should. minutes. I think. I think we should. I think. I think the people are starving. <laughs> so let's go ahead and, and and talk about Tenet first. Let's try to keep these sort of quick. I feel like sure. But now I kind of want to talk about Tenet as spoiler free as possible because. You know, given, you know, today's, you know, social climate with COVID and whatnot, I know a lot of people are finding mm. it really difficult to to watch this movie. Um, a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to theaters, which, you know, it's completely valid. Uh, I, for one, at least the theater that I went to that I watched this in um, is handling the whole COVID situation surprisingly well. The theater in which I watched this was practically empty. Everything was was uh, socially distanced. Um, so my experience, you know, watching this film, at least, you know, with all that, uh, wasn't bad. Yeah, me either. Um, I, I think that my theater went uh, above and beyond to sort of make sure that everything was uh, okay for for everyone. Everybody felt safe and secure. So, and I mean, I saw it on a, I think, a Monday. So. Regardless, there wasn't going to be a lot of people. I think there was only two other people there. So, okay. I felt so, good. but I do want to talk about <clears> it as spoiler <throat> free as possible because, um, again, like I know yes. a lot of people haven't uh, had the opportunity to go watch this, and I don't want to go ahead and spoil anything for them. Okay. I am sort of like a lukewarm, luke lukewarm, lukewarm. <laughs> um, on this film, I have my you know my my problems with nolan as listeners of the show know i think while nolan is a great visionary i think sometimes uh what he puts on the screen feels um very scientific in the sense that his movies feel like they were scientifically constructed by a filmmaker or like a group of filmmakers to make like the perfect blockbuster you got what i'm saying yes it feels very big no not even big it it feels very robot like his movies have a this in my opinion his films have a big lack of humanity to them in the sense where like every Mm -hmm. Everything about his movies feel like it was compiled by a robot engineer to make blockbusters. Like yeah. I, I don't want to compare. I don't want to compare it to Stanley Kubrick, but um, a lot of critics and, and a problem that I have with some of Kubrick was, in my opinion, in the Mount Rushmore of filmmakers. So I'm not you know using this as an knock for Kubrick, but I do think one of the valid criticisms on Kubrick 
is that some, a lot of his movies lack this humanity to them. They feel very cold. They feel very emotionally distant. And that's the problem I have with pretty much all of Nolan's films, with the exception of Dunkirk. Which is why I think Dunkirk is Nolan at his best, because he really... It's Nolan doing Nolan things, but also not feeling devoid of <laughs> of human emotion. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Um, I 100%. think. I think Tenet is Nolan at his worst. Um, I think Nolan gets too caught up in the idea that he had with Tenet. Like he had this really, really big and grand idea, but when it came down to actually executing it, I think he really stumbles to sort of you know make it all happen um in a humanizing way like like the movie feels like it's set piece after set piece after set piece and then it's just characters going through said set pieces you know what i'm saying yes like for the sake of you know the movie it's like a it's a plot-based movie not a character-based movie which you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good way of saying it. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just one of the criticisms I have with Nolan is that all, or not all, because the Prestige isn't really like that, and I would say maybe to an extent, uh, the Dark Knight. But that's just one of the problems I have with Nolan, um, and it's a pretty big problem, and. Like, I don't want to say Nolan, in my opinion, is overrated because he's not. He's a fantastic visionary, fantastic filmmaker who really knows how to put together great films. It's just that one knock on him and it's just that one knock that I can't, you know, look beside. And also, he doesn't really know how to direct action sequences, which <laughs> it's a little better in this. It's a little better in this movie, but he's really bad at directing action, like choreography and sort of visualizing it. Um, and I think that's really, really um blatant in the dark knight movies where like batman sort of like moves like a robot but you know that's like another another thing yeah but i found this movie um, go continue go 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 no 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 that's okay no no you can go ahead i don't want to interrupt you it just felt uh i just felt very you know lukewarm on this movie it wasn't great it wasn't bad by any means it's not bad um, the movie has its fair share of problems. Like, um, I know, like the most referenced problem to this film is uh, is like the audio mixing. I think the audio mixing in this movie was garbage. Yeah, um, I thought that was only in my theater. I was like, man, the sound is really bad. Here. No, the I think so, some of the audio in the movie, I, I legitimately could not hear a lot of the dialogue. Yeah. And then, okay, now that I mentioned dialogue. <laughs> Um, one of the big problems I have with this movie is literally every single line of dialogue felt like it was exposition. Agreed. Every single line that is being said in this movie is to, again, further the plot in a way that it's explaining how this gimmick works and how this gimmick is going to affect our characters and the world around them. And that is it. There's no time for characterization um, between um, uh, John David Washington, uh, Robert Pattinson, and Elizabeth Debicki. There's no time for us to really sit down and, and sort of, 
you learn about these characters and grow with them and watch them grow as as the movie progresses it's just sort of like hey this thing works like this because this time to go to the next set piece because you need to know this by the time we get there and then yeah just so much of that just sort of gets kind of like exhausting especially in a movie like this where you really have to pay attention to kind of get what's going on hmm. it's just it feels very very heavy you know on like on like you know the average viewer yes um so i i thought the dialogue in this movie uh was it was bad it was I don't want to say I was going to say horrendous, but I think horrendous is is a little <laughs> too harsh for this. Um, but it was bad. I too much exposition, not enough time with our characters to really grow because I really didn't care what happened to anyone in this. I, I mean, I cared about Robert Pattinson, but that's because you know us at the back lot are the number one Robert Pattinson uh, fan page. But like, <laughs> I could care less about John David Washington's character. I mean, bro, his name was literally the protagonist. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to fucking care about a character whose name is literally the protagonist? It's and it's like Yeah. You know, yeah, there have been na- there have been movies where like, you know, like Drive comes to mind where the main character doesn't even have a name. I think it's just Driver. But 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 Drive I'm sorry, but Drive and, and, and Ryan Gosling and, and, and the film have an identity to them absolutely that's just what i was gonna say like in this one it's literally just okay there's john david washington and he's a spy i think but i don't know like you don't really know in what's the going cia on or former cia he's yeah. supposed to be dead or something i don't know if if this okay if this film did not have the nolan name attached to it it would be much like the, the rotten tomato score and the critical reception to it would be much lower I'm going ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. Yeah. This film is only held in such high regard because of Christopher Nolan's name and attachment. I think that's a fair thing to say though. I've been I've been rambling a little long. So so go ahead. What what, what do you think about Tenet? Well, no. I mean, I won't spend too much time because I think everything that you said, I I I 100% agree. I don't think I disagreed with anything you said. Um I think that the dialogue uh apart from the audio being cool, I mean the there have been there were so many scenes where they were like next to like a loud plane engine or they were uh on the edge of a boat and the 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 water is like super loud or it's just like i get you're trying to make it authentic but i'm you're purposefully making it confusing like let me hear the dialogue i need to understand what this movie's about and that's my biggest problem with the movie too is the dialogue because nothing like you said it's cold it's just information after information after information after information and it's just like okay what is this like what is the story are you just explaining something to me or are you like giving me characters to root for and there is not one person that i root for i don't care about robert pat i don't care about anybody in this movie I don't care. I think the most interesting person was the uh, the main uh, antagonist in the film. I thought he had some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, brain freeze. <laughs> I thought he had some sort of 
uh, development to him or, or something that made him just a little bit interesting apart from everybody else. But beyond that, he was also a bore. Um, the, uh, I mean, from one scene to the next, it's like he's being explained, uh, John, uh, John David Washington. He's yes. being a, explained by this woman who you only see in this scene. Uh, and she says, she's explaining to him how it works, this and that, and what they're trying to prevent. And she basically says, World War Three. And then in the next scene, you figure out that he needs to pretend he's a billionaire. And in order to get some sort of counterfeit art. or And from that point on, I was like, you lost me. What the fuck does this have to do with anything? And at that point, I was like, you're making this confusing for me on purpose. And you don't want me to understand this. So you know what? Fuck you. I'm not paying attention for the rest of the movie. Give me action scenes and I'll just be, I'll just stand back and enjoy the show. And I mean, I got some enjoyment out of it, but the action sequences, like you said, were ugly. I thought they were kind of better than every other Nolan film. I thought the fight scene in the kitchen was great. I'm sad that I didn't get to see any more of that because I thought it was amazing. Agreed. Um, I thought the 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 uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Ah, shit! I had a really good point. Anyways, there was a lot of exposition. There was a lot of explaining. There was a lot of things going on that really didn't need to be explained. And if this is your movie, it's a great concept. I, he always has great innovative concepts as far as science fiction films go. But man, just explain how it works and get to the fucking story. I don't need any of this. I thought that the ending where you kind of realize uh, something about Robert Pattinson was extremely interesting. And I kind of felt a tug in my heartstrings. But that's the closest I ever got to giving a shit to anything that was happening on screen. I think this is Nolan's absolute worst film i think i was gonna say interstellar was worse but hearing you explain everything i was like yeah no this is the worst film he's made i agree um, it was between this and and, and Inter- interstellar for me also but interstellar at least i love i like interstellar with matthew though. mcconaughey you know when he's crying and sobbing uncontrollably you know because there was something i love watching interstellar yeah you know there was something to to root for but my god i don't give a shit about anything in, in this in this film it's just it's a disappointment, man. It's a disappointment. Agreed. Um, I don't want to say so anymore because we gotta we gotta move on. Yeah. So those are our thoughts on Tenet. The movie's been out long enough. Um, we want to keep it as spoiler free as possible, just in case you guys haven't seen it. Go ahead and watch it. It's it's an entertaining ride. Don't get me wrong. It's not a movie that you know I wouldn't mind watching. It's definitely a fun ride. It's interesting. Uh, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, it's just as a Nolan film, you know, it just didn't live up to the hype. So that's Tenet. Um, another more recent movie, also starring Robert Pattinson, that we wanted to talk about was Netflix's uh, The Devil All the Time, directed by uh, Antonio Campos, who I believe this is his first like big like like release. I believe really? so. Okay. Um. So the devil all the time. It was. Oh. Good, I guess. Wait, did you say uh oh? 
I mean, it was good. Nothing crazy. Um, I will say that I was pleasantly surprised by Tom Holland's performance. Um, I think he does a fantastic job sort of straying away from the typical performance that we think Tom Holland would give. <laughs> you know, since really, yeah. since really, you know, we only really know him as Spider-Man. Um, so I like seeing him, you know, get out of his comfort zone a bit. He was surprisingly good in this. Um, this the cast is, is surprisingly stacked too. You have Bill Skarsgård, uh, Jason Clark is in it, Sebastian Stan, um, Robert Pattinson is in it, of course. It was solid. It's like a worse Zodiac, in my opinion. Hmm. It's it's and like movies sort of like like Zodiac, like the sort of like nihilistic serial killer sort of vibe. Um, like it tries to sort of blend mm-hmm. all of those things together, and I think really what what I can say about this is it feels like like a poor man's zodiac, like a diet zodiac. <laughs> this is zodiac. like this is like Meth Damon to Matt Damon. <laughs> you know, it's not bad. You know, mm-hmm. I think Meth Damon is a great actor. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind watching him. <laughs> oh my god! But he's but he's no Matt Damon. <laughs> I can't believe I disagreed with everything from the past three minutes that you said. Uh, really? Yeah. Can I go ahead? Yeah, go, go be my guest. Man, this was probably the best movie I've seen all year. Jesus I, Christ! But that says that says a lot about me. I like depraved shit. I think you really do. I do, man. I like I like struggle. I like human struggle. I like to see you know, especially when it's exaggerated like this. I like to push you know to the farthest limit of you know the human psyche you know how much can this per and i mean right off the bat man the main character tom holland's character i mean he goes through some shit man he goes through a lot he really does and um i love that i love those kind of movies where um someone can be handed a really bad deck of cards in life and uh I wouldn't say I almost had turned it around, but I mean, you know, by the end of the movie, he's not, uh, it's not like a fairy tale ending, but you know, there is some perseverance in that. And, um, I just, I think everything from, uh, Bill Skarsgård's, first of all, I'm just going to say all the acting was amazing. I'm not a big fan of Bill Skarsgård, not a big fan of Jason Clark. I've always been indifferent towards them, but they were superb in this movie. I thought Sebastian Stan, I mean, the fact that the Winter Soldier, his first scene is him getting, you know, oral in a cop car is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and it's, it's like just crazy to me. Like, like everybody, um, uh, really did an amazing job. Robert Panson, obviously, what can you say? I mean, he's he's almost at a Nicolas Cage point. Not bad Nicolas Cage. I'm talking like heyday Nicolas Cage, where he's pushing the limits, but it's still really good. Or like an Al Pacino kind of thing, where he's giving just an absurd performance, an absurd accent, but it works. Um, I think everything, every turn, this movie does not let up. Every bad shit happens scene after scene after scene after scene, and it just kills you that this person has to go through this shit. And 
the way the story is intertwined. And I think the later, the, like the third act gets a little bit like, you know, like Jason Clark and, 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 uh, his wife's sort of subplot is, you know, fucking disturbing. Um, yeah. And I kind of think it, it intertwines in a, you know, the, the two stories collide in a, in a decent way. I do think it, w- it could have been handled better in all, in all honesty, but I, I still think that it was fun that it ended up, or not fun. I mean, that's, this movie's depraved, but, uh, you know, it, it was interesting and, and kind of exciting that, um, our protagonist got to interact with these two and, and overcome these two and stop these two. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think there's a big, you know, faith theme to this thing or fate, actually. The fact that this person has gone through so much and is still the person that he is, um, who's willing to fight for his sister, fight for his family, um, protect them. And, uh, he's certainly not, uh, trying to be a good guy, but he knows what to do. Um, and the fact that he's the person who ends up, um, stopping these two is, is, uh, is, it, it says a lot about the plot and the story, uh, and his main story. Um, overall, I found it wholly disturbing. I found it interesting. And, and the one thing I will say is that it, it, it didn't like your comparison to like a, a diet Zodiac. I don't, I don't really agree with, I kind of, I, from the jump, it felt like a Stephen King movie. Like it just felt Agreed. like. Agreed. Uh, okay, I could see that. It could be the setting. It could be you know where where they are, what place and time they are in. You know, it takes place in like the sixties, seventies, I believe. Um, I think it's the seventies. Right. Yeah. Or the yeah, the first half of the movie takes place in, in earlier in like the sixties and stuff. And yeah, but I just I I dug the the creepiness of it all and um, how a father's trauma can can uh affect uh, a young man way past uh the point of of uh of the father's I don't know if I should say anymore but basically the the themes of the father's sins to the son how they're handed down and and you know choice and there's a lot of great themes in the film and and honestly if you're a person who doesn't mind the brutality uh i think it's something well worth your well worth your time um yeah i think so i think that's all fair I want enough to say. that's very very valid um again I, I like this movie i don't want you to think i didn't like it i like the movie it's a good movie yeah i just you know it's it, like i don't want to say it's not something i'd watch again um, cause it is kind of a tough watch. It's very, very, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ. He, 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 a, a little, a little too much devil. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, does it really have to be devil all the time? Like, what can it be devil sometimes? I mean, does, does the devil take a break? I mean, Jesus, go get a coffee, <laughs> devil. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a movie worth watching if, if, yeah. you know, you like sort of bleak and, uh, nihilistic. Um, sort of films. Don't expect if you're a, like me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, a movie I, like I I couldn't really compare it to is uh, Anola Holmes. <laughs> Let's get to it. I like Anola Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. 
in all honesty, I think. It's, Didn't you like Dora the Explorer too? I unironically like Dora the Explorer. Yes. Okay. But right. and I think I like them both for sort of like the same the same reason. They really don't take themselves too seriously. They know, and Nola Holmes knows what it is. It doesn't try too hard to be a Sherlock Holmes copy. Um, it doesn't try too hard to sort of push any boundaries. It's, hey, here's Millie Bobby Brown, Sherlock Holmes' <laughs> younger sister. She's going to go on an adventure for two hours. Just enjoy the ride. And here's some, some swole Sherlock Holmes in there for you. Yeah, it's a sort <laughs> swole of... Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. Swole <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really good. I'm so sorry. Continue. He's fucking jacked in this movie. I, I still can't believe that a, a, a human like Henry Cavill exists. I mean, sh- it's just not fair. Some people just get all the good genes. Oh my god, dude is fucking. Props to him, man. Yeah, dude man. is a fucking good-looking guy. All right, let's move on. Fucking, <laughs> you're making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> Fucking, it's it's a fun movie. It's a fun ride. Um, I think some of it can get a little eye rolly at times, uh, particularly like some of the fight scenes, uh, where like a ten year old Enola Holmes is fighting like thirty year old assassins. Um, and then uh, yeah. that's when the movie kind of gets like, okay, uh, whatever. But really, at its core. The movie is 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 fun. Um, it's meant to be watched. It's meant to be a casual sort of watch, like a, a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. Hey, let's turn on the TV, watch a family movie, sort of thing. Um, you couldn't get further on the spectrum if you have like Devil All the Time on one side of the spectrum. Like Enola Holmes is literally the opposite side of that spectrum. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> And I'm not saying that's why I liked Enola Holmes, but I think, especially like in regards to like sort of the stuff that I've been watching at the moment, um, like a, a lot of like heavier, um, sort of bleak stuff. I think Enola Holmes is a great departure from that. So I personally, I liked it. I know you text me when we were planning on doing this episode. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I can only imagine your opinion on it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to come in a little harsh. Um, but after giving it some thought, after, uh, you know, some time away from the film, uh, I recognize that it's not a film for me. And I think you said it perfectly. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um. I think because I don't I don't like Sherlock Holmes. Don't like the books. Don't like the films. Don't like the series. I don't like anything Sherlock Holmes. It just really? isn't it isn't my bag. It's not my bag. It's not something that I I dig. I just uh I never and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm it's interesting to say the least, but it doesn't really you know, it's like Harry Potter to me. I don't, you know, I don't uh I don't knock anybody for liking Harry Potter or even Sherlock Holmes or whatever, but it's just not for me. It's not, it's not in, you know, it's not my taste. 
So off rip, I'm 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 you know going into the movie not really uh, with low expectations. I'm not really expected to be blown away. Maybe it'll pass the time. The second Millie Bobby Brown turns to face the camera, I go, "Fuck this movie! <laughs> Fuck this movie!" And again, I'm gonna try to be uh, not so harsh, <laughs> but like. I think the main issue I have is the fact that this person is so good at everything. And it's, you know, you might say, oh, but the, you know, they explain so much in the beginning of her upbringing and, and why she's so, you know, uh, you know, um, she has the, the abilities that she does and this and that. Yeah, but show it. You know what I mean? The most interesting thing about her is that part that they just glaze over in the beginning with that montage with her mom you know show me her spend the first half building this character make me sympathize with this character have her have her you know commit errors mistakes don't have her be this this you know uh uh flawless character and i'm not saying she's completely flawless obviously she makes mistakes along the way but it's it's almost like it doesn't phase her. It doesn't register on her face at all. I mean, there are so many countless scenes where she turns and faces the camera and it's like a John Krasinski face from The Office. And I'm like, <laughs> you smug asshole. Just just show me something that I can relate to as a as a protagonist in this film. I can't relate to you when you don't show any sense of any, you know, regret or nothing like it's just like or like the guy Ritchie um sherlock holmes uh, films which are fine um at least in that film i believe i don't remember too well but i think he was like a drunk or something or he was a, an alcoholic um well in the books he like in the books okay you mentioned that you're not a big that you aren't that you don't like sherlock holmes i am a huge sherlock holmes fan personally so oh, like okay. maybe that's part of the reason why i sort of like this movie because i'm coming at this with the sort of like Sherlock Holmes bias. Um, <clears throat> I've watched the BBC show probably like five times. I'm currently rewatching it because my parents are watching it for the first time. I'm a fan of the Robert Downey Jr. movies. I'm currently listening to the audiobooks. Wow. So, okay. So <laughs> yeah. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of, of Sherlock Holmes um, and the genre. It's like a perfect mixture okay. of both. I love the genre and I love Sherlock Holmes. So for me, it's a perfect mixture. So I am gotcha. coming at this with a with a sort of bias, but in the books. Um, like uh, Sherlock Holmes, like uses drugs to like, to, like for cases, like you know, to heighten himself. And in the show, he really, uses, okay, yeah, yeah. In the show, uh, the BBC show, he also uses drugs, um, like f for the cases and stuff. But he goes like overboard with it. But yeah, in the, in the book, in the RDJ movies, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember if if he uses drugs or if he's a drunk. Yeah, I remember him specifically like drinking a lot. Um, maybe it was that then. Maybe they changed it for the movie. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was implied or something. But the point is, I just kind of didn't think that this person had a a a, a or Nola didn't really have any any flaws or anything that that would make me uh, resonate with this character. I think her missing her mom isn't enough to really make me care about this person. I think. At most, she's just a vehicle 
you know, she's not really a person. She doesn't really feel like a person. I just kind of feel like she's like an avatar for, you know, just to keep the plot moving, you know. And, you know, there's no scene where she's like struggling to find out what what is this code? What is this message? You know, it's like maybe there's like a second of it, but it's just like, boom, she's got it. And it's just moving way too quick. You know, maybe if this was, a, I was talking to somebody like, maybe if this was a series, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more where there was more time to flesh out the character and flesh out the story a little bit. I would have appreciated it more. But as a whole, I think the biggest problem with this movie is her. I I just cannot stand her. And the fact that they make literally everybody else, literally every single person that is an Enola Holmes or Sherlock Holmes, a complete either idiot or or a a just unredeemable person is is absurd to me i'm just like are you just making everybody worse so that we don't you know so that she seems better you know what i mean like i i didn't like one person in this movie i thought henry cavill was pretty good at sherlock holmes i thought if if it was anybody else but maybe bobby brown I would have completely written this character off as one of the worst, but I at least like her enough that she brought a bit of her charm to the character. She was passable in the role. Um, I just, man, I, I, I really wish I would have agreed with you on something, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, Enola Holmes is is not it. I would. If well, I you agreed with me on Tenet. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did. That's right. Everything else, no. But Tenet, yes. Um, <laughs> um, there was one more thing I was going to say, but forget it. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's a no for Enola Holmes for me. It's an it's an easy D plus or a C minus for me. Hmm, I would probably give it. I would probably give it like a solid B minus. B minus to like I'll, I'll give it a light B. That's fair. Coming from a person who's a fan of of Sherlock Holmes, I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'll give it a light B. Um, that's it. I think that pretty much wraps up uh wraps up today's episode. Ending it on a good note. Some uh, Enola. Ooh. Enola, alone. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, also before I before we sign off. There is one the, the even before I even saw the movie the when I saw the trailer, I it's this it's a bit of a rant on studios, but I think I think for them to try to look progressive, they attach a female in a already uh, established uh, franchise, which I think is uh, bullshit. I think you should trust enough in an original female uh, uh, driven story I mean there's so many countless books with uh, female leads uh, interesting sci-fi films fantasy or I'm sorry uh, sci-fi books uh, and fantasy books and stuff like that there's enough to create something original you don't have to um, attach someone to an already established thing and just you know make it a female or make it a anything that isn't a, a white male. You know what I mean? And I think I think studios should have more of an and, and I get the business side of it. You you 
a lot of studios nowadays don't really want to take a lot of risks. There's not a lot of people going to movies and stuff like that. But I mean, this is a Netflix thing. I mean, it's it's introduce something new, original, and refreshing that doesn't have to be, oh, look, it's Sherlock Holmes, but a young girl, you know? And I at least thought it was going to be something different because it wasn't from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes. It was a younger female, which I thought, okay, maybe it's something different. Maybe I'll like it, this and that. But I mean, honestly, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same tone, tone, same style. So at the very least, give me something different. If you really think you're doing something different and progressive, do something different and progressive. Don't just give me the same shit and, and dress it up as something else. You know, so that's my little rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. Although she's not in the original Sherlock Holmes books, like Arthur Conan Doyle, but Enola Holmes does have like a book series based on her. Um, okay. she's just, but she is not like an original character. So, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, and I think it's is about- that is that fair to say? You can totally challenge me on that idea. I, I, like, I, I welcome it. No, I think you're on I think you're on the right track. I agree okay. with what you're saying. Um I could challenge you on it, but seeing as we're an hour and a half into this episode, we would probably <laughs> Sorry, push that's we would another probably episode. push we would probably push two and a half hours if we were really to, yeah, to, to go yeah, ahead and dive yeah, in that's on. That's true, this. that's true. That's true. Sorry to so, spring this on you at the last minute. No, 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 you're good. Let's go ahead and put a pin in this. Yes. And we'll come back to this because I do think you raised some valid valid concerns especially with some news that came out today about james bond so this is definitely something that that Mm. um is being talked about um so that wraps up today's episode talked about a a bunch of cool shit on here stay tuned for next week's uh emergency (laughs) backlog podcast episode in which jp john and i are going to be talking about over the garden wall and uh, for yes, those of you who are listening, hopefully you guys, you know, feel inspired enough to watch it and and, and uh, tune in for that one because that that one might be a good episode. It will be, I promise. I'm watching the it, whole thing tomorrow. I promise you. You could literally watch it in one sitting, bro. I know, I know. You said it multiple <laughs> times, and I will watch it. I promise you. I'll do it too. Fuck the it. second I finish it, I will text you. Yes, good. I'm gonna watch it tomorrow also. Yes, sir. So, um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please follow us on our, our social medias if you haven't already. We're posting a, a lot of cool shit on there lately, especially our Instagram. I'd say our, our, our Instagram has, has really come to life uh, the past couple of days uh, with our Spooktober entries um, and some other cool cool things that we're posting. Uh, so, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at um, Inside the Backlot and Inside Backlot on Twitter. Uh, JP, you want to plug anything? Um, and you got anything you want to promote? Anything you want to talk about? Well, we have some new music coming out tomorrow. Uh, when does this episode come out? Tomorrow. Well, <laughs> today is <laughs> we're recording. We're recording this. Technically, it's the fifteenth because it is past midnight. So, whoops. Um, Sorry to pull back the curtain there, folks. Sorry. No, you're, uh, the illusion is broken. We're just humans. <laughs> we are humans recording episodes. The illusion is gone. We are programmed. Um, so I guess technically today, I guess it would be the 15th. Well, um, 
the 15th of October, any day after that, uh, you can listen to our new song, Me and Montiel. I produced a, a, or three new songs uh, with Montiel. You can check it out on my Instagram, at underscore polymath. Uh, it'll be in my bio. Uh, you can check it out. I make music. It's pretty decent. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're interested, uh, check that out. Uh, awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.